Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. And hey, tell, you know, tell somebody you see on the street. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe you want to get to know them. But just walk up to them and say, <laughs> I have a recommendation for you. You, person that I don't know, I want you to listen to Lame Street. We've got a great icebreaker for you. Just walk up to someone and say, have you heard Lamestream Sports Podcast? It's spectacular. <laughs> Try in a bar. See, see, Is there someone see from the opposite it. sex that you want to get to know? <laughs> walk up to them and say, Lamestream. Oh, God. Um, all right. So today, today on the show, uh, Kayla Anderson from News 2 going to join us. Just fascinating individual with a fascinating story and a, and a career to get to Nashville. Lots of insight and analysis on sort of the TV business, the industry covering the NFL, uh, behavior inside the NFL, which I don't know about you, Steve, is seems like a topic this week uh, in the media. And so we're going to have a great conversation with her. She's fantastic and very gracious with her time. So uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy that. Ratings and recommendations, of course, coming up a little bit later on in the show. We will do a rapid-fire media analysis because, Steve, on, on Wednesday, it felt like we had all these sports media stories sort of floating all around uh, in particular in Nashville, there, there was also a story in Oklahoma about a student newspaper and uh, as well as Adam Schefter and the Buck Rising report, Nate Z Sports, about DeHai Sambrello in the offensive line room. So we'll get to all of that rapid fire here before we hear from Kayla Anderson. However, Steve Cavendish, before we do any of that, Lamestream is brought to you by... Surprise! It's Jaspers. <laughs> really threw me for a loop there, bud. <laughs> really caught me off guard. I'm I'm reeling. <laughs> go to I mean, go to Jasper's. <laughs> I mean, was it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say here, Steve? <laughs> Need to be careful. Need to be careful here. <laughs> go to Jasper's, where they will not mess with your inbox. Go to Jasper's. Love it. How about that? That's great. Parking is free. The food is great. It's a great place to watch hockey games or football games after work. During work, you know, all those times, go to Jasper's. It's fantastic. All right. Sound good? Kayla Anderson coming up uh, here in just a minute. We'll try to get through this fairly quickly. But there was just so much sports media nonsense floating around the the ether on Wednesday. I thought we needed to do this. So, number one, we'll start with uh, Buck Rising's report on A2ZSports.com about the Tennessee Titans and Ty Sambrello retiring. Essentially, the gist of the report is that he maybe, you know, was was forced to play through injuries. He didn't want to, wasn't comfortable. Maybe there's some discontent and acrimony in the offensive line room between offensive line coach Keith Carter and the rest of the offensive linemen. It was an interesting story. I walked away with, with far more questions than I had going into it. And uh, that's where I think we wanted to, to, to start this conversation. Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, and, you know, Buck's really well sourced over there. The, the headline on it was Titans lose Ty Sembrello offensive line depth to retirement. You know, Sembrello pinch hit last year pretty, pretty admirably for Taylor Lamont at left tackle and was supposed to be a big part of this, uh, of this offensive line this year. And it just hasn't been. And so the problem with the story is this, the sourcing on it, you never really know what it is, but there's a, there's a line at the top of the story says, is it comes as no surprise to those inside Tennessee's building. However, there are so many different competing interests kind of within the Titans building. It would be helpful to know who is not surprised. Is it players? Uh, is it coaching staff? Is it executives? Is it the janitor? I mean, who, who is, who is not surprised by this? 
Are they all not surprised? And the report would have a lot more weight to it. If you, I'm not saying Buck has to name his source. I mean, obviously this was taught, this was told to him on the condition that it was anonymous, but you do need to characterize the source in order to give authenticity or some amount of authority to the story. And without it, you're just kind of left with these questions of like, like what's the sourcing on it? I mean, is it, you know, according to, you know, executives that uh, that I talked to or according to teammates or according to whatever else you're not betraying anybody by saying that I, I, I don't know but it's, I, I it's, just, Im, it's important I wanted con- to know a lot more it's important context also what's interesting is the offensive line if there is discontent within the offensive line room and the head and the coach we sort of know about the Taylor Lewan stuff which he put in the story that's sort of public um, but they've all played their best football in theory under Keith Carter the offensive line coach they have not necessarily this year but they've all done pretty well so i'm assuming that the front office and the coaching staff is fine with keith carter but we have to assume all of these things because we don't really know where the the angle's coming from unless and and again there's a huge story in there if in fact you can prove that an nfl player was forced to play through injuries he didn't want to play through that's a massive story i'm assuming the only place you can get that is from the player himself which is possible, but we don't know that. So again, that's a huge story that I'm assuming the Titans will just automatically flat out deny <laughs> if they right if, if they have to. So again, I, it's very interesting. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I know Buck's well sourced over there in, at, at St. Thomas. There's no question in all of these levels of people. It just did create a lot of questions for me about like, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? How do you know that? Who's saying this? And those are all important things to add to the story. And it means a lot depending upon who the sourcing is i mean if it's right, if it's just right. team if, if, if it's teammates that are you know are they pissed at sombrero or or are they sympathetic to sombrero that makes a difference rather or if it's executives who are just who may think that you know think that maybe he quit all of these sort of things would help with some kind of characterization sure. of the sourcing all right well uh, i will say this and i will back up a to z on one thing and that is that Fans are, I just, I've said this a number of times, fans are just so sensitive these days. And I think Austin Stanley tweeted this out. Basically, look, you get angry, you beg us to break stories, you beg us to break news, to bring you, to bring you more information. And then you just get pissed at us when we, when we bring more information to the table. Um, could, do we agree, Steve, that that information could have been put into better context? Sure. But fans have a major problem today with not being able to accept the reality of the teams that they root for. And so if you want real news and want your team to be truly covered, you're going to have to know the good and the bad about your team and have to accept that that's a reality instead of just being told what you want to hear. And, and that, that I think is a major problem with sports fans. That's not a media problem. That's fans. But that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent true. So I'll just get that. I just want to get that off my chest. Cause I agree with those guys that fans are just so damn sensitive these days. All right. Adam Schefter, speaking of insensitivity, uh, <laughs> at, at Adam Schefter essentially submitting a story to a subject for approval. What do you have to say about that, Steve? It's uh, it's horseshit. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it is beyond the norms of practice. Matter of fact, a lot of places in their employee handbooks have it written in there that if you do this, you'll get fired. Apparently not ESPN, uh, or maybe his bosses didn't know it or whatever else. But the, the fact of the matter is, you go back to a source. When you finish a story, go back to them and read them a quote. Make sure you're quoting them accurately. Uh, go back to them and say, here are the facts in this story. You know, I've done this with, with fairly light features with people. I've done this with something super serious, you know, where somebody was going to hate the story and said, you know, 
I'm quoting you as saying this and this. I'm I'm saying this, 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 and this about you. You know, if I have this wrong, or if you have, if you think that I'm putting this in the wrong context, I'm giving you the opportunity to respond here now. That is fundamental fairness to a source that's the subject of a of a tough story. You don't send somebody the entire story and say, "Hey, you want to sign off on this?" That is that no no that is bad 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 (laughs) yeah which is also very different from just being chummy with your sources let's just get that out there too uh submitting an entire story all the copy for approval (laughs) mr editor uh is not appropriate or ethical behavior being extra chummy with your sources we can debate all along but it's not the same thing i just want a great thing about this story out there the great thing about this story is that it did give us an entire day of people dunking on Darren Ravel on Twitter, and the <laughs> you, memes are fantastic. You, you Absolutely hate, fantastic. You hate that because, guy. And, and for the record, Adam Schefter has, ap- has apologized and admitted wrongdoing, for the record. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Darren Ravel's a turd, so... <laughs> you do not like him. No! No, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a terrible person. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's a guy named Unsilent. He was one of the guys behind uh, the Kissing Susie Colbert blog in the, you know, in the, oh, in the early yeah. mid-aughts, who had a great line. He said, he said, you know, I feel bad for Shefty and Ravel and, and for, for whoever is like, but this is great content. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what's fascinating about the whole Gruden thing is, again, I think Mark Davis broke his silence, but the, 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 the Oakland, the Vegas Raiders owner basically saying, I don't know, talk to the NFL. And it's like, we all realize that John Gruden is kind of just a piece of shit and, and has been acting this way for a long time, but there's a whole lot more to come folks. <laughs> like, cause the, the only person that's, that's taken any of the heat is Gruden so far. And there are a whole lot of other actors here that, you know, I think there's a lot more stuff that's coming out. That's there's a, the, the, that's all. the, the source on this. I mean, I, and this is very obviously the league leaking this here. But but the source on this is a defamation suit that the Redskins filed again in, in 2020. And this came out of discovery from yeah. that. And it, this is sitting under seal in a federal court right now. And there are lots of people, including the Washington Post reporters who have broken all the stories about Snyder and the, the horrible culture within the Washington football team front office over the last few months that would love to see like the rest of this to see yep, exactly yep. what was going on with Bruce Allen and those executives. Are you suggesting that it's a bad culture inside of an organization when you're circulating videos of the cheerleaders topless when they weren't knowing they were being recorded? I mean, they're, are you, I, they're are you training, suggesting that that's bad. They're training these photos of these women. It is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Men, men. Hey, men, let's do let's do better. How about let's do better uh most of us are great but some of you suck so do better uh all right again just touching on that one real quickly here oklahoma student reporter this is i love this one oklahoma student reporter because lincoln riley is a little draconian with his handling of the media as most college football coaches are at major programs Uh, obviously they have a major quarterback battle going on right now caleb williams spencer rattler who's going to be the starter for oklahoma a top team trying to make the playoff and win the big 12 championship well this reporter does some diligence, gets quotes from the backup quarterback or former starters quarterback's father, goes onto a public building and uses some binoculars to spy on the practice. And then, of course, practice gets shut down for all media. I, I This kid should take that story and put it at the top of his resume for future employers. <laughs> that is, it is, it is fucking great. And the Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley losing his mind over student media doing their job is 
it, it is is like such a perfect uh, encapsulation of a lot of D1 football coaches right now. It's fantastic. Uh, and I, you know, those OU kids, congratulations, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's fantastic. The power dynamic between subject and reporter could not be more apparent between multi-million dollar head football coach who's a paranoid schizophrenic control freak, as they all are, and, and, a, and, a, and a kid just trying to do some good work here. Uh, and, and, and lost in all of this, which I think is hilarious, is that if every single practice was open to the public at all times, your chances of winning a national championship wouldn't change at all. Not there, at all. There would be zero Not impact. a single bit. Opening practice has zero impact on your success or failure on Saturdays. It just, it just doesn't. There's no impact at all. Unless Nick Saban is literally in your huddle watching your team play defense, I don't see how there's an advantage. But that's just Yeah, me. 100%. I mean, televise the things. It does not yes, matter. Yes. You could charge major dollars on your own network to self-distribute for $3.99 a month all your practices to your fans. Just an idea. Just an idea. Throwing it out there. Good job, OU kid. <laughs> I don't know. We probably should say his name, but either way, good job. Uh, good job to piss off Lincoln Riley. It was fun. All right. So all the, all that stuff aside, crazy media day. So I thought we'd kind of go through a few of those those stories today on the show. Um, however, the main subject today, television, reporting in the modern era, sort of life in TV. Kayla Anderson does a wonderful job on News 2. You should check her out, of course, uh, all over the Twitters, the digital shows, the TV broadcast, all that great stuff. And she is a hard, hard worker. And here was our conversation with the great Kayla Anderson. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. It is great to see you. Um, I know you were very, very busy because you've got, this is like the sports equinox here or eclipse or whatever you want to call it with all these sports sort of starting to overlap. And you're responsible like many TV folk are for all of them. So before we get started into all of that stuff, just kind of give everybody a quick rundown of how you got into TV, why you got into TV, and how you ended up in Nashville. Yeah, uh, my journey, I mean, do you have like an, another 20 hours? Like it's the, it's the longest journey you'll ever encounter, I feel like, when it comes to a sports broadcaster, but I'm sure other people say that as well. Yeah, I've been a sports fan since I was a little girl, and it's not like I grew up in some sports family that played you know, three sports, but I had a dad who was really passionate, um, from a young age as well. And he kind of, uh, pushed that upon me too. growing up. We always would go to athletic events. I'm from Spokane, Washington. So it's the East side of Washington, but we still had great sports there. And then we would obviously go over to Seattle a lot to see some of the pro sports. And at the time, the Seahawks actually had training camp in Spokane. So I grew up going to a lot of the Seahawks training camps. And I just thought it was fascinating because I always loved to play sports. I played softball and I competitively danced since I was three years old. My brother played hockey since he was three. So I've been around it, but I was never that good, but I had that competitive itch in me since I was a little girl. So I loved being around athletics and I loved seeing people compete at the highest level. So I think I always had that passion for sports in me. And then I did love to perform, right? So being a dancer, you're on stage, you've got thousands of people watching you. And I think from an early age, I just had that natural ability to, to want to entertain. And so I combined the two when I was in fifth grade. And from then on, I had never wanted to do anything else but be a sports broadcaster. So I went to Washington State, a great program there, started my journey. And since then, I have done sports in Bend, Oregon, 
Montgomery, Alabama, uh, Spokane, Washington, Missoula, Montana, Tucson, Arizona, Columbus, Ohio, and now I'm right here in Nashville, Tennessee, um, covering some really great teams. Are you sure you're in Nashville right now? <laughs> Sometimes I forget. I'm like, how long ago was I in that city? Like, was that two years ago? Oh, no, that was like five years ago. It's crazy to look back because I don't feel like I'm that old or I've been in the business that long. But that's what happens, I guess, when you hop around from market to market. And not all of it has been my choice. I was laid off twice in my career as well. So I kind of had um, a pushback at some points. But I think you just have so much fun doing what you're doing and you meet so many people and you cover so many teams. Change is good for me. I like change. So I think it's been more so just hopping back on the horse and moving forwards during some of those pushbacks. But at times, yeah, I forget, like, where am I exactly? Can, can you sort of explain your thought process through those transitions? Some of the times, because I don't think one of the themes, especially in television, and it also is the true for it's also true for beat reporting as well. Writing is you don't really have a lot of control over where you're going to live. So take us through the thought process, not only when you're laid off and looking for work, but when you're actively sort of looking for the next step, what is that all, how does that all work for you? Man, Brayden, it's so stressful. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm really transparent about my journey. I don't see any uh, point in sugarcoating anything because if people want to get into this business, they really need to know that you do go through a lot. At least most of us do. When I was first laid off in my hometown of Spokane, Washington, I had signed like a three-year contract, right? So I'm settling down. My husband had, or fiance at the time, had moved up from Montgomery, Alabama with me to Spokane, Washington. We were getting married the next summer. Six months into my job in 20, uh, 2008, the economy just plummeted. And I was one of 14 on-air personalities that was laid off at my station six wow. months in. Yeah. And I had just actually recovered from hernia surgery. Um, a, I had just taken about a week off because of carrying the camera for the last five years up to that point. I had developed a hernia that I had to have surgery on because it was so bad. And they laid me off the second day after getting back from hernia surgery. I mean, yeah. Talk about a punch in the face, gut, whatever you want to tell yourself. I mean, it was hard, you guys. And I, I remember feeling so down at that point because this is my passion. This is what I love to do. And, and I was only 25 at that point. And I was on the fast track of getting maybe to a Seattle market where that's a place that I really wanted to be. And this happens. And so for six months, I was doing everything to just try to make ends meet because there were no jobs. I mean, no jobs available. So I was doing personal training, retail, whatever you want to call it, to try to make ends meet. Um, and then six months later, I decided to take a job in Missoula, Montana. I mean, talk about a backtrack in market size, size and money. And um, that's what I had to do, though, right? And so you have to make the best of it. I was a sports director there, and I made the most of it. It was a great stop. What, um, what's, what's, on the, what's on the air in, in Missoula, Montana? What's in your typical report? Yeah, actually, it's a great little sports market. The Montana Grizzlies are up there. And back when I was there, and now they're they're getting back to that point, FCS football um, is a blast to cover. And they were actually one of the biggest names in FCS football. I actually covered Mark Mariani for three years at Missoula, uh, in Missoula, Montana. He was a star for the Montana Grizzlies, as you know. 
you know, he got drafted by the Titans and now he's a staple in the community. Um, they were really good. So we'd go to the playoffs every year and cover those guys. It was a blast. Montana basketball was really, really good at the time. They actually had Wayne Tinkle as their head coach, who's now at Oregon State. Y'all know what they did last year in the NCAA tournament. We had uh, minor league baseball where I covered names like Paul Goldschmidt, Adam Eaton, um, got to saw, see their career start there. And then you had all the high school kids, um, which was fun building that relationship with, with their parents and everything, getting them to, to tune into your sports cast. So there was actually a lot to do. <laughs> well, all right. So how, how and why Nashville? How did that work out? Yeah. So that's another, that was my second layoff that happened in Columbus. And I really actually loved Columbus. It was one of my favorite cities. I got to cover hockey there, which is a passion of mine. And that was my first NHL team that I covered. And so we had Ohio state football. I covered the Cleveland Indians in their run and everything was great. We had a great sports department and, you know, you go into that third year and you don't know what's going to happen. And they decide to chop the the sports department essentially and I was the number three and so they laid me off and at the time I had known Corey Curtis and Cal Baxter at uh, News 2. I had also known the sports director or the news director who had hired me in Columbus who eventually came down to Nashville and they had an opening like literally at the same time and so it was the perfect timing and I just jumped right on that and said this is great. I actually wanted to be in the Nashville market years prior and it just never worked out because of timing. And this opened up and I've been here for four years. The, what, what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned your fiance, then husband and coming from Montgomery to Spokane to, to wherever else the there's a, it's not your, just your decision. It, it is your decision about your career, but I mean, I, I was lucky I've, I've moved all over the country. Those are always two person decisions uh, that, that, that those, what were those conversations like with your husband to be like, okay, we're now we're going to here, 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 here. It's a very good point. And at first I remember when we first met and I was in Alabama, he was all about, I'm along for the journey. Like, let's go, you know, gung ho. And then you, we go to a couple markets after that and every discussion we had, it, it was definitely, you know, I have the, the solid in terms of a career like path that exactly I want to do this and this. He is a little bit more versatile in what he can do with his business degree. Uh, he also uh, is a former baseball player. Um, he played at Auburn, so he loves coaching and has dabbled in that as well. And we've been lucky enough to have me have those connections to help him out as well. But yeah, after, a, after a few markets, he, he's kind of like, okay, Kayla, we've got to find a place where we can settle down eventually because it's a lot to move the finances to move. Um, just your sanity, I guess, comes into play when it comes to that. And then we, at the time for most of our journey have had two big dogs. Um, the one passed away recently, but we also have to think of those guys too, right? Like having a backyard and, and having room for them. So it is a two person decision. And, and I am so thankful that he has been really great about that, but now he is close to his family. So he, he loves that because he can just drive four hours to Opelika and, and, and he's home. You, you two are adorable with having to consider two people. 
in your move. You, you guys are you guys are absolutely hilarious. That's not and, that's and not true. We had we had three dogs we had to think about. Uh, no, so. I know you have a lot of dogs. I know you both have a lot of dogs. I just think it's cute that that two people is tough for you guys to consider. Um, yeah. As, as a father of two daughters. Um, so you, you've mentioned a theme already here, and this is one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about today because you and I have talked about this before in the past. And you talk about the recession and the economy kind of tanking in, in 07, 08 with the sort of the, the subprime mortgage issue. You've already talked about downsizing in Columbus. We, of course, just had a pandemic that also had another giant sort of took another bite out of a lot of newsrooms and, and media in, enterprises across the country. Um, can you try to explain how condensed the job has gotten over the last 20 years for, for, a, for a, a, a TV sports reporter? Yeah, man, it's changed so much since I've gotten into the business. And there's one part of it where if you're looking outside of local news, sports has grown in the entity of digital and, you know, you've got your podcasts and things like that. Team jobs are a lot more popular where they have specific team reporters, even at the college level now. Now, we had none of that coming out of college. So really, the only track we could take was the local news track. And so... You know, whether that be begging your way into an internship and that developing into a job like it did for me, or just, you know, getting your foot in the door in a really small market, that's the path that we all had to take. And unfortunately, local news is, it's changed so much because sports used to be a really big part of probably every local news broadcast, even in the major cities, they always had sports departments that were covering all the big sport teams there or the pro sports and they would travel um every step I've been it's kind of it, it's gotten smaller and smaller which is weird because I've gone to a bigger market so the the last time that I really think that we did it big in terms of covering sports was my first year in Columbus Ohio and you're talking about a full-on production I mean when we went to the 2014 national championship and really the entire run for Ohio state, we had, I want to say over like 10 people in terms of sports, like just production people, producers. Um, and we, sorry about that guys. And then we also had sets that were built for us at every place that we were. And it was incredible. I mean, we did it big and we'd send all of our talent the next year. They cut it in half. And then from there on out, it was kind of like slicing things up. So I just see in terms of covering sports at local now, there's not as much traveling. You're not getting out and about as much in terms of like reporting at the actual sites of things because they just need you in studio to do your two minute thing. And then that's it. Um, it's, it's sad because I think local sports is really something we should still put a lot into, especially in markets like Nashville, where people care a lot about the professional teams and you don't get the coverage at the national level. We were talking with Tatum Everett here a couple months ago uh, about this because she transitioned from, from Fox 17 to uh, to one of those team jobs you talked about with, with, the, with the Vikings. Uh, as, a, as someone who grew up in the Pacific Northwest how much, and someone who loves hockey, when the Kraken show up on the scene, how much of a, how much of a twinge of wow, that might be really fun. Did, did, did that kind of, kind of go off in your head? Yeah, I had actually, I mean, again, I'm transparent with everything. I've, I've been a hockey fan since I was a little girl. 
And I always dreamed of Washington having a professional team. And so when I started to hear even the rumblings of it coming to Seattle, I was like, okay, I got to get on this. And I did. I connected with everybody under the sun that you could think of that would have a connection to the Seattle Kraken. Um, I have some, you know, people on my reference reference list that are coaches, uh, GMs, just because that's my passion. I've, I've done a lot of connecting within the NHL and I was on that in a split second. Cause yeah, I mean, essentially it would be nice to kind of cover one sport and, and be the face for that franchise and really, especially a new franchise where you can connect the entire Northwest to hockey, those people that don't really know what it's about. Um, and unfortunately this business is just, it's hard to, to, even if you're from there and you have the connections, you don't know what the top people are thinking. Right. And so it, you know, for me, it just didn't play out and uh, it, it is kind of a bummer because that's essentially what I would have loved to have done, but there's always a journey. There's always a reason for why you are where you are. And that's kind of how I have to look at it at this point in my career. Well, and transitioning from sort of reporting into, I don't want to say state-run media, but that's, that's what it is. It's state-run media. When you, when, you work <laughs> for a, when you work for a team, and there are many people, to your point, Caleb, about how there are more jobs now, there are many people that do it extremely well, still tell great stories, still do good reporting, but know that their checks are signed by the organization. It's, it's just a very different dynamic mentally. You have to know sort of what hat you've got, you've got on. Um, you know, talking about all the different professional teams in, in this market in Nashville, you and I were at practice the other day for the Preds. And literally, yeah. I think you had to go to like a Titans press conference, literally like just immediately afterward. Can you try to explain how, you know, what it is like to try to have a foot in every single world in, you know, you are a reporter for a television station in Nashville and you've got to cover 36 things. Yeah, it, you're not joking. I mean, it's it's incredible to try to keep up with everything. And I try to keep up with everything nationally too. So that's even harder to, to try to be on Twitter or to try to see what updates are going on outside of Nashville because I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm seeping in the most knowledge I can as a sports reporter. But first and foremost comes our market and the teams in it. And you're right. I mean, I remember that morning that I went to Preds practice I wasn't even on the clock yet, not even close to being on the clock yet. But for me, I think it's really important for local sports reporters to make sure that they are putting their, their face out there, that they're showing that we're interested in covering your team. We not, might not be there every single day because we don't have a choice always in what we get to cover. But I just want to make sure that the teams in our area know that I care about covering their team. And it's important that I'm there to try to make sure as much as possible, I know what's going on because when it comes down to it, I'm the one that's supposed to be asking the questions. I'm representing my station. I'm putting that information on air. And if I'm not there a lot, or I'm never there, I don't feel like I'm really the right person to be in front of the TV talking about it. Right. So that's how I look at it. So as much as I can, even during the busy times of the year, which is now, um, I try to make it out to as much as I can, even if it, it's not on the, the technical schedule for the day. But it is hard because what we do behind the scenes is so much more than what we do for two minutes on the air. I mean, whether that go, be going to practice, taking notes, asking questions, 
Then we go back and we're editing, we're writing, um, we're doing all of the things that people don't see. And then the last thing that we do is run on set and do presentation for two and a half minutes. So it's, um, it's definitely a grind, but I love it. I kind of like juggling everything. It keeps me uh, busy and I always want to be challenge challenged in this business. Lamestream Sports, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner is brought to you by, I'm scared to ask. <laughs> People still cannot hear that. It's they cut still, out? It still cuts out every time. I know, I know, I know we won against Costa Rica, Steve. It's brought to you by Jasper. <laughs> that was creepy. Yeah, uh, so creepy. Jasper's a great place to go during happy hour to watch weeknight sporting events, like perhaps a 2-1 victory over Costa Rica, or perhaps the opening night of the NHL playoff, NHL season. Uh, it's a great, or Thursday night football, Friday night football, uh, you know, just a Tuesday after work. It's a great place to go. It's a great place to go for a lunch business meeting. I had one of those this week at Jasper's. It was a wonderful time. Very awesome. What, what's your, uh, what's your uh, menu weapon of choice there for a, uh, for a business meeting? So I have a, oh, this, this is going to raise a, I think we already talked about chips on a sandwich on this show. So I don't think I want to bring that up again. Um, but my entire in-law family believes that if you, you should not put chips on a sandwich in a business meeting, um, that that's very inappropriate. I think if you're at an establishment with chips and a sandwich, I think it's just, an, it's obvious that you should put them together, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I like the, uh, I like the Creole roll for lunch. Cause you can, you can, you know, solid choice. I like that one. I like this. All of the salads are great. The pot sticker salad, the shrimp and goodies. I love the shrimp and goodies. That one's great. Um, you can all, you can't go wrong with that. The burger feels a little heavy sometimes for a business meeting. If you want to be light on your feet and spry, you know, in a business meeting, I'm not sure I'd go with the burger, but it's delicious. Business meeting too. Like somebody's doing a lot of talking. Usually it's one way or the other. And so you got to be able to get to be able to come back to something. And sometimes a burger, eh, it's a little hard to like you spend like 20 minutes talking, your burger gets cold. Eh, well, that's a problem. Yeah, salads are good for that. Salads yeah. are, and appetizers are good for that, which they have a, a smorgasbord of appetizers that are delicious. Kale poppers, I know, are one of your favorites. You got the barbecue fries, you got the chorizo fries, you got the uh, avocado and bacon toast, you got all kinds of delicious stuff. And uh, it's a great place for a business meeting. Now, I had a business meeting with a friend this week. So I did a lot of talking with my mouth full, which is probably rude at a normal business meeting setting. Yes. Yes. Don't do that. <laughs> as as we're trying to teach my three and five year old to chew with their mouth closed at the dinner table. <laughs> Currently, Marin, I can hear that you're eating strawberries from across the room. Close your mouth. Ugh. Can't take her to Jasper's. No. <laughs> Not yet, at least. Not yet. Go to Jasper's. Great happy hour. Great menu. Deb Paquette does a wonderful job. The, the next evolution of the sports bar. And how much is parking? It's nothing. It's free. It is 1 million percent free. I am absolutely blown away by that, considering we've mentioned it 4 billion times. <laughs> and I will attempt to mention it <laughs> another billion times before this is all said and done. God bless you, Jaspers. Keep serving that great food and keep giving people free parking. Go to Jaspers. When you're out someplace, whether it be a practice or, or, or an event, and, and you know you've got, at the end of this all, you've got that two and a half, three minute window. 
what's going through your head as uh, as you're as you're interviewing and do do you get like that do you get like that ding that goes off when you know oh I've got this piece of sound I've got this piece of video like this this can make it in this is good enough to kind of make it in there I mean yeah. you may shoot several minutes of things that just never ever get into that'll, that'll never ever ever get into the to a, to a broadcast that's a really good point because I think that especially reigns true that instant like I've got to find the big angle right away when you're doing something like a live shot, right? So let's say um, the Preds are playing and this happened in the playoffs last year, the Preds are playing and they get done and we're on air in like five minutes and I'm supposed to hit at the top of the show. I've got to know, you know, from the jump and usually I don't even get a right anything. Um, I've got to just kind of top at the, talk at the top of my head. Like what was the biggest takeaway from the game? What bite can I just immediately have, you know, help cutting really quick so we can get something on air. And I think the thing that I'll say about that is that is where experience does come into play because you do it so much and you just kind of have that natural ability to know, like, this was the big story, right? This was the angle that we need to take. That's going to get the most people interested in what we're talking about. And it changes all the time. And then during a week when you have a little bit of time to pick out your angle, sometimes I'll pick out, you know, I've got two hits during the day and I'll pick out two angles that I feel like, you know, is what the people want to see or what the fans want to see. And it's, it's gotten easy with the Titans too, because guess who everyone wants to talk about? Derrick Henry. So at least I save a hit for that day when Derrick Henry talks and I find something to talk about or some angle that portrays in Derrick Henry in whatever spotlight. Um, but it is, that's a great question. And I think just with experience, it gets easier and easier. It seems like, uh, it seems like the, the weapon of choice for anybody doing a live shot these days, I see this a lot with news, uh, news reporters is they are, they have, they've been at a scene, they've been reporting, but they have their cell phone, like just like off, just off camera. Uh, and, and a lot of times it gets into the shot. Are you pro cell? Are you pro notes on your, on your iPhone or not? Or how do you, how do you, uh, or, or do you just try to keep it all in your head? It's funny. Cause that's, that's what it's come to now. Cause I, I'm really a person who and I'm old school. I still like to write a lot down on my notepad and do things that way. I'm, I'm not a huge cell phone person. Um, once in a while they'll, it, there'll be something where I'll need to have it because we've got video that like kind of goes over uh, our broadcast that portion. And I can look down and kind of read some of the stuff that I've jotted down. But I think the, the best thing that you can do is if you have enough time to soak it all in is, is to be able to just go off of natural memory, because I think what makes a live shot the best is when it's more natural and maybe you're not reading word for word what's going on. And I think that's doable if it's two minutes. Now, if it's a half hour show and you're doing it all live, that's a different story. But yeah, I think it, I, I connect more with those viewer or with those um, broadcasters that do the reports and they're kind of just talking off the top of their head. Uh, I think that I connect more with those type of reports than you're like popping up the cell phone and, you know, reading it off of it. You mentioned the 30-minute the show and, and you guys did 
like obviously it was sort of forced with <laughs> with with the, the basically news cutting sports out during during COVID and yeah. but you guys got to do a lot more sort of Corey just started like talking into his cell phone you know for 30 <laughs> minutes or whatever and it sort of blossomed into this thing uh, on the air and, and how, how much do you guys appreciate and enjoy the ability to spread your wings a little bit have a little bit more opinion it's not what you get to do on a nightly basis but there are other forms of that and it's happening more and more at more stations across the country because they know they have to approach yeah. it in, in a different way how much of that do you enjoy and, and yep. um, look forward to doing in the future I love it because while it is a little more work for us and and sometimes we'll put it together but most of the time Cal is the one that that puts really the graphics graphics up and he'll put the rundown in and for us it's just knowing the topics real quickly like we're going to talk about but most of us at News 2 in the sports department we're, we're nationally tuned in. So even if it's a national uh, subject, we'll know what we're, we're talking about and we probably won't have to do a ton of research before. But the thing is, is it does allow us to be more opinionated. And I think in local news, that's the one thing I don't necessarily like is that we're really held back in that, in that way because we don't have a lot of time. And it's not like they won't let us have our opinions. It's just that we only have two minutes to do something or we have a really regulated 30 minute show where we have to make sure everything is boom, 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 boom. So there's not a lot of time for back and forth chatter. Now we do like to do that on Sports Extra and we'll, we'll have some fun on that show. But um, the digital show, it really does give us that platform to give some opinions, maybe to be a little snarky at times, maybe to show our humor. And I think it's important too, because like you said, everybody's looking now on the digital platforms to see things, to see their sports news. And it's been fun kind of growing that audience. I'm interested in, in what your bosses think of that platform, because mm -hmm. uh, it does, it does put you guys out there. You know, you get engagement points for that. Uh, however it is that, that you guys track all that. But I mean, there, there's, there's almost no monetization behind it. I mean, yeah. the money is still, the money is still on those broadcasts. It's not on, it's not on Facebook. It's not on, you know, Twitter. It's not on Instagram. How do you, how do you kind of justify the time on that versus, uh, versus doing something that, that, you know, may actually make the station money? Well, and that's what we always wonder in terms of, you know, why is this something that they really want us to do? And this kind of naturally came about, like Braden said, it came about in the pandemic. We decided to do it just because we didn't have a lot of other things that we were doing during our regular day of all of us working at home. And so this gave us a way to create something else to work on and to show, hey, sports is doing something like don't lay one of us off. I mean, that was something that we, <laughs> that we thought about. And I think our boss, um, I, I give a lot of credit to Nexstar, the company that owns us, because they do really love sports. And that's across all of their stations. They put a lot of emphasis on sports. And so I think that he saw this as being something that was beneficial to our particular station and being like, hey, look at guys, look what we're doing on top of everything else. And while we're doing the extra work as the broadcasters, um, I think for them, it's just something to put out there and say, hey, look, we're doing this too. 
because digital is huge at Nexstar. That's the next big thing for them to start working on. So I think thinking ahead is a, is a good thing for them because maybe they're not making money now, but there's something in the future that they think, okay, we can maybe make money on this. We, we talked with Emily back, uh, back a few months ago when the, you guys had just started doing some pieces for the national, uh, for the national next star, but I, I think uh, I can't remember the Nation. name of it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and has that changed any, are you guys doing more or less for that? Or, or how, how is that, how's that relationship with, with news nation work? So that was during, and I know exactly what time that was. It was during the COVID uh, situation with the Titans. And we were doing so much stuff for them during that. Cause they wanted everything every day about the current situation with the Titans. Cause it was a huge national story too, with, with the COVID outbreak. And we were switching off like the day she worked, she would do them. And then I would do them the, the days that she was off. And we were thinking, this is kind of cool because at least we're getting Nashville on a national map. Um, News Nation was still kind of new at the time. They have since changed their platform a little bit. They've added some new shows um, outside of the actual broadcast of the news part of it. They've done some specialty shows. And I haven't seen a lot of sports integrated in anything that they're doing. I don't know the last time we did anything with them, which I think is kind of a, as it's kind of a bummer because I feel like you could utilize the sports people in across the United States with all the markets we have, and at least try to ingest a little of that into the newscast, but I haven't seen much of it. What about access? Um, through all of this, I know you and I talked about, you know, trying to get a player and trying to get your, your personal interview, which is, you know, it's, it's always been sort of same thing with the size of the industry. It's been constricting over time, but, but yeah. through just explain the difference between covering the Titans before all the, all the, the, the COVID changes and trying to cover them now and get, and get that good content for your yeah. audience. It's a lot tougher. And I think I'm just hoping that next year things are 100% back to normal, but I'm a little bit scared because when things are taken away from you, sometimes they're not given back. And in this type of situation with COVID where everything was taken away with us in terms of, you know, contact, interviewing one-on-one, access into the locker rooms, um, and then they've slowly given us that back, but it's not even near what we used to have. And I say this because for the past, before COVID hit, the three seasons or two seasons that I was there, we would go into the locker room during every week of practice. And for us, it was a time to t- find out a little bit more about these players, um, build those relationships, because usually when you do that, you're going to get those stories. Maybe you're going to get that angle that nobody else had. Um, also there's certain things that we do in our show because we have a Titan show every week and I do something called the two minute drill. And it's really off the field type of stuff where you get to know these players and what they do and what they're, you know, doing around the community off the field. And usually it was on me to go to that player and be like, hey, will you do this real quick two-minute drill? And if I didn't get it, that was on me. Now it's like I have no choice if a player 
you know, is sick or the PR team can't get them, then I'm out an interview. And that's what's hard is because you can't control anything. Um, and I hope that we get that access back for so many reasons. But I think that we're missing that little bit of like getting to know these players and the storytelling that goes behind it or just, um, you know, the X's and O's. I learn a lot from just chatting with some of these guys in the locker room about this or that, where we have a little bit more time one-on-one -on -one, and that's just not the case anymore. I was listening to a really interesting interview with uh, Samantha B who does, who does a, a late night show on TBS. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny. Um, and she was talking about doing the show during COVID and said that you know, at one point it was her husband uh, shooting her in their backyard to do the show. Uh, you know, the, a couple of their kids were holding lighting pieces and, and whatever else. Um, and she, the interesting thing she said, though, was was that it it gave them this window into you don't have to have everything super high tech, super polished, super whatever else in order to have, a, in her case, a funny show or yeah. a, a, to have an immediate show. Uh, is there any part of the of the Zoom world that we now live in that you're like, oh, well, you know, I, I can get access to somebody really quickly that yeah. I couldn't get before. Uh, and what do you think of the trade off in terms of like video and sound quality? I think that Look, I'm I'm glad that we were introduced to Zoom in a way just for the fact that hopefully if things go back to normal, this is still a way for us to connect all across the country. So whether it be a podcast, which I have a, um, a college podcast with my buddy Joshua, he's in Columbus. So like, there's no way we're ever going to be able to be in the same place. But now that we have Zoom, it's a great way just to have something visual because that's what everybody wants nowadays. It's great to have the audio portion, but now when you have Zoom, you can add on that video element and it might not be the best quality, but I mean, look at our st stuff. I mean, we look fine. It, it, we don't need anything crazy or high tech, but if you wanna do that, it's also not that hard to build a set. I mean, I had a set behind me during the entire COVID thing and um I thought it looked great you know it was it was it was something that looked nice on tv every day I had to do something and there wasn't a lot of effort that was put into it I think it's nice for that and it's nice for things in news because a lot of times there the newsroom comes to us and says hey can you go grab this video or or sorry this interview oh we need a comment from so and so but we'd like to have it on camera zoom has now made that possible to just reach out to people and say, hey, can you just hop on this link really quick and give us a quick interview? I think that's beneficial, at least in our business, for getting that content quick. Do you do you have any conversations with uh, with interview subjects about Zoom? Like, for instance, can you just tilt the uh, can you just tilt the, <laughs> the the screen up just a little bit so you're not looking yes. like straight down or yes. or trying to get? I mean, eye contact is the big piece of this, but uh, uh -huh. do, do you walk them through anything to make them look better? Oh yeah. And especially I would say players, like it took forever for even the Titans. I remember when we went first went to zoom, we were having to tell, cause we can't really tell the players all the time, like, Hey, do this. But afterwards we'd be like, Hey, can you guys have 
like the computer tilted down when they go on? Can you make sure they're looking straight at the, the camera portion? Um, I do that a lot with if there's like a younger interview, maybe player or something, they don't exactly know where, where to put the, the computer um, or they're just off centered, like they're over here. <laughs> and being in TV, you're so, you have to like always have things perfect and perfectly framed. And so I do that more, more than not, I'm telling people like, hey, can you fix this? Maybe that's a TV thing, right? So uh, you are you are uniquely qualified to um, speak to this next question because you've mentioned Columbus, Ohio, and you've mentioned national stories. And the two biggest yeah. national stories right now in all of football are Urban Meyer and his, his strange and very predictable yeah. behavior. Um, and then we're taping this the morning after John Gruden resigned for, you know, basically being a jerk. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm just curious because a lot of people say, oh, this is just how everybody talks. This is just how everybody acts. They've said that about Urban Meyer. They've said that about John Gruden. And I'm just curious in, in your experience, I, I have not been around a lot of media people that, that are like that. There certainly have been some, but I think there's a lot of conversation from fans who are like, oh, you, you talking heads, you guys are all, you guys all say all this stuff too. And I, I just, in your experience, have you been around a lot of people that, that talk like that? Because I, I have not. No, I, and first of all, if I, if I was around people like that, I would probably be the first to go up to him and be like, what are you doing? Like, wh what, what makes you think that you can sit there and say those things? And I know these were in emails, but at the same time, if those are in emails, usually people put out their, their true feelings in, in people with their, their, their closest to, I don't want to be any, anywhere associated with somebody like that. And I've never had I honestly have never had any of that type of level of just, I mean, I don't even know what to call it. It, it just, it's hurtful to a lot of people. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things specifically with the Gruden situation that, I mean, does he like any type of person? It, it just, <laughs> I, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious and I, I honestly, that's a great, that's a great line. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I, I really do wonder what it was like when he was on Monday night football guys, because that's what I felt was a little interesting last night is when this news broke during Monday night football, there wasn't a lot of chatter amongst themselves about, Oh, when Gruden was here, he was like this. We didn't hear much of that. And so I just am really curious, like what was he like around all of these people? I mean, Carl Nassib is, is gay. He came out as gay and he played for John Gruden. Like, did John Gruden treat him different face to face? Because we know what he was saying behind the scenes and he was clearly homophobic. And so I just, it, it's disgusting in my opinion. And I'm, I'm glad at least I have not ever had to, to deal with anyone like that. Hopefully none of the people I've met along the way are like that behind the scenes. Uh, it's just, we have no, there's no room for that at all uh, in sport, in, in community, in our country. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. The tape from Tariko the night before. So Tariko, you know, moved over to Sunday night. He, yeah. had been, he had been Gruden's partner for seven years. You know, he, he did a thing where he said, you know, Hey, I, you know, that's not the John Gruden. I know kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of thing. The, 24 hours later, that did not hold up well at all. I mean, it just, it just did not. Well, that's why you wonder, okay, so that's not the John Gruden, you know, well, I guess then John Gruden 
should go into acting because clearly he was fooling everybody that he worked with. I just don't understand how you can say those things over seven years. It wasn't just one incident. Like it was over seven years he was degrading people. And I just, how are you, how are you an, a great person when you're in front of people, when you're saying all that stuff behind everyone's back or just in emails to one specific person? That I don't understand. I'm not quite sure if he just turned it on for the audience. I mean, we all know that that's why people loved him on Monday Night Football. I mean, he entertained, right? Let's let's spin this sort of back towards your personal experience and sort of a larger conversation that's away from Gruden. Because I, you know, I think we've all had moments where, you know, back when I was 14 and in the locker room, I said words that I'm not proud of and I learned yeah. that they were hurtful and I stopped using them because yeah. society taught me that those were hurtful things. Um, clearly I was a, a, an adolescent teenage child who learned how to mature and grow up. And that's not the case with John, but there is this strange tension between professionalism at a TV station, a radio station, a newspaper, you know, a digital yeah. company being the media and then being on the practice field at an NFL facility where you're going to get, it, it's, it's not the cleanest language. It's not yeah. the cleanest conversations. It's not how do you know when it's somebody's sort of truest intent versus just, just messing around versus, Hey, it's in their workspace. And I have a different workspace. Like how, how does that tension in your mind, how do you view that tension sort of between like how you're supposed to act in an office versus how NFL players and coaches act on a practice field? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I've been around the, the practice fields, the dugouts, whatever sport it is, my, a chunk of my career now or a chunk of my life, I would say. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, look, I'm no like angel. Like I'm not sitting here, never cussing like that. There is definitely that in my off the, off the air away from the station. You know, I, I we got an, called... an explicit rating on here. You can say yeah, whatever, you can say whatever you, you want. Say. <laughs> I've been called the petite sailor at points of my career. <laughs> so I'll just put that out there. No, but when you, yeah, when you're on a practice field, you're clearly, it's, it's like a different workplace in terms of there's going to be F-bombs thrown out there. I mean, the coaches are usually a little bit more aggressive when they're out there during a practice, maybe even a game, and you catch it on the sideline sometimes, you're reading lips if you don't hear it. But I think you have to just know that that's really like their workspace. And as long as it's nothing... I mean, it could be offensive to some people, but you have to understand, like, it's just a different level of competition. It's sports, like you're going to have things that are going to be put out there. But as long as it's not like they're coming up to you and saying things, I think that I'm OK with them doing their thing on the field and whatever they need to do to get the point across or the game plan across, whether that includes, you know, some potty mouth words or whatever. I'm okay with it. I just don't think you can let things spill into your environment. And like, if coaches would, you know, maybe do something that you felt was uncomfortable, like that's when it, it it's like, you can't deal with that. Like that's, you're not dealing with that kind of stuff. I've never had any of that happen. And again, I've covered tons of sports teams. So it's it's a fine line, I guess, because some people can be super sensitive, but you have to know when you're in sports, like you're around athletes every day. There's a whole nother lo level of competition when they're out there. And I'll just I'll just speak from experience. The Titans media core 
on the practice field, not all that different in communication style um, than the players and the coaches. They like, they like, I'll, they I'll like to play a little blue. Like to, they like to go blue. <laughs> You've been out there. I've been out there. We yeah. all know who, we all know who, who, who the people are. Yeah. <laughs> They like to uh, they like to run their mouths on the side. Exactly, uh, Kayla. Wh- where are you gonna be? What does your job look like? We'll wrap up here because you've been very gracious with your time. What What does your job look like in fifteen years? Yeah. So I mentioned I'm always up for a challenge, and the biggest thing for me is as long as I still have this passion to do sports broadcasting, I want to make sure that I'm growing with it and I'm getting better and I'm doing new things. And so for me, you know, eventually what would, would I love to maybe reach the regional or national scene? Absolutely. I think that I still have a lot to, to give and a lot to offer in this business. I think experience goes a long way and sometimes is underestimated in our business because when it all comes down to it, my job is to connect the fans with the teams and the players. And I feel like storytelling has maybe been downplayed a bit. And that's something that I really pride myself on that I don't get to do a ton of anymore just because of, like you mentioned, time constraint with things. But I feel like I could, you know, reach another level where I could reach a broader group of of viewers and maybe do more storytelling, connecting fans with the teams and the players that they love. So whatever that might be, I feel like there's there's another step for me out there. Kayla twitch.com. That's what's coming. There we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, th- thank, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Keep up the great work. And thank you for uh, giving us so much of your time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was Kayla Anderson from News 2, of course, joining us on the show. Appreciate her time. Uh, just, uh, just a very introspective, thoughtful uh, had has had a fascinating career. Has been through a bunch of up and ups and downs in the media world and in TV, and how it's changing and contracting all the way through her entire career. And uh, yet here she is in a in a top thirty market, doing really good work for a for a really good station. Kayla was awesome. Uh, I, I like Kayla a lot. Sorry, I, I meant to ask her about uh, I meant to ask her about Rolovich and Washington State and the slow motion car wreck that that is. But you know, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll bring we'll bring her back sometime and and kind of autopsy her uh, her Wazoo fanship. <laughs> What's fascinating about TV and media writ large, which is a theme that and and doing this show with you, Steve, I've had the opportunity to sort of see things that maybe I didn't see, but I knew about. But now I'm seeing them more clearly, and I think the contraction of the television world is is a fascinating thing to track and just hearing her explain the size of the, the the sports commitment from stations in both large and small markets all the way through her 20 20 plus year career it's it's pretty fascinating and you know we know that that fox 17 here in town has one person running the entire sports department all by herself and that means she's going to every single practice every single press conference it's it's Teresa Walker on steroids <laughs> and, and, and it's, uh, and that's hard to do by the way. Cause she's like the, one of the hardest working people in the city. It's just, it's not good for television consumers. It's not good for the companies. It's not good for the reporters. It's not, I don't know. It's just not, it's not a good trend. You know, at, at some point, I think stations are going to have to make uh, a hard evaluation about, about their commitment to sports coverage uh, and, and what they want to do. My, my partner at the banner, Demetria Kaladimos, dri- the thing that drives her nuts is the, the five hits of weather in every single in, in every single newscast because weather 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 
particularly because so many resources are devoted to it that they reflexively do that. And then that there are other news stories or other sports stories or there's other stuff that would have a, give you a rounder, fuller newscast. And they don't, they don't do them anymore because they're not devoted enough time to it. And it, it it's an awful sort of side effect of kind of like the shift in local yeah. news. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, the, the, the TV stations will figure out how to monetize all the digital stuff and then it'll happen very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Whenever that happens, it'll happen very quickly. Uh, all right. Uh, ratings for the weekend here quickly, Steve. Uh, Titans Jags, of course, 24.1 on Sunday, number one. Again, they're hovering right around 25. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens on a Monday night with the Buffalo Bills and then Kansas City the week after. They're entering a, a stretch of monster games and they're not particularly great at football right now. So, so we shall see. Number two, the SEC, Alabama, Texas A&M, 15.7. And uh, Stephen Godfrey on the Fringe Element podcast, rate, review, and subscribe on Wednesday, he posited a question about how, because I said, everybody loves watching Alabama lose. This is why people tune in, and the numbers reflect watching a great game. Lots of Alabama people in Middle Tennessee. He said, he sort of asked, do they? Do people actually still love watching Alabama lose? And I was like, yes, they do. Are you crazy? And I feel like these ratings back me up on this. But if you want to hear the whole theory, go for, listen to Fringe Element. Uh, also, tune into Fringe Element to listen to his experiences up in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, <laughs> as a highly, highly entertaining uh, tale of, of watching LSU in Kentucky. You invented the continent's favorite liquor. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> go listen to the show. Uh, number three, Bill's Chiefs. NFL, of course. Uh, and Marquee then, uh, matchup of the weekend. Yeah, huge domination by the Bills, even through a weather delay, right? A long weather delay, even through that, 14.2. Uh, Rams-Seahawks, 12.9. Of course, I believe that was the Thursday night. Russell Wilson got hurt in that game. And then Cowboys-Giants, 11.3, bringing up the rear. And that's all you need to really see. I can't stand when I see a bad Giants team and a, a, a solid Cowboys team on nationally televised slots. But that's all you need to know. They're number five in our market. Pulling an eleven point three, that's a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand people in Nashville households in Nashville watching a Giants Cowboys game that I couldn't care less about. So I mean, it was the uh, featured, it was the featured late game. So right, I, I mean, right. I, I get that. Right, but that's but that's why they put Giants Cowboys and, and call it the game of the week, even though it's kind of a dud of a game. You know what I mean? So I, people always complain about this. Why do I get the NFC East? Why do I get the NFC East in primetime? Well, that's why because people are going to watch. So uh, all right, recommendations, Steve. What you got for people? I have a podcast you should listen to. It's been around for a little bit. I, I just picked it up. Uh, so I had recommended American Rest last week, and I've been on kind of a Jeff Daniels kick here. And somebody uh, who was listening to the podcast said, oh, did you hear his interview on the Smartless podcast? Smartless oh. is, is uh, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. It's a very good podcast. Uh, I, I've, now, I've now listened to like five or six episodes of it. They get, they get really good guests. They had David Remnick, uh, who's the editor of The New Yorker, uh, a couple of weeks ago. They had uh, John I, Stewart. I was, I was going to say, can I give you, can I say John Stewart? Because my recommendation is going to be the problem with John Stewart. It can be. It, it, it's just, a, it, it's, a, it's a very good podcast. The, the, the three guys are obviously friends. There's a chemistry between them. Yep. The banter back and forth is just as good as the interviews. And they go, they're very conscious of the fact that, okay, we don't we don't want to half ass it on this podcast. They cut they they have very good questions for their guests. 
and it's it's really really it's really really fun it's a it's a good format and uh you'll enjoy listening to it you know what really helps launching and, and finding and creating a successful podcast being a world famous actor and comedian you know those are it helps. That, those are things that <laughs> those are things that help no i my buddy i've got a couple friends who listen to smart list they've been trying to turn me on to it forever i listened to the john stewart one for the first time and i was like okay fine it's great <laughs> you know like like i was fighting against it and of course my recommendation is the problem the new show on Apple Plus with John Stewart? Um, there's very few uh, broadcasting people that I admire, look up to, pattern my behavior after more than John Stewart. He he is like a like a drug, and anything he does, I am all over it. I grew up with the Daily Show into my adult life, into my adult career. Um, maybe Dan Patrick is the only other one that I would say probably influences me more than John Stewart does. Um, so the just seeing him back on television is wonderful. I think it's great. He does great work. He's funny and a great reporter at the same time. Um, so, and Apple's what's fascinating to me is app, shouldn't Apple have more money than all of these streaming services to create great content in theory that, you know, it's interesting. They're not pumping out just tons and tons of stuff, but the stuff that they do is kind of super high end. Yeah. They have a, uh, a sci-fi show called foundation that has been like one of sort of like the white whales of sci-fi books and kind of converting that to a movie or a TV. There's been a lot of bad versions of it, but apparently this one's really good because they put like a gazillion dollars into it. The morning show, which just, which just dropped a few weeks ago is fantastic. Yep. Uh, If you haven't, uh, if you haven't watched it, I think you recommended that last week. And besides, you know, I mean, lasso, if you haven't watched lasso, well, you're just not a human being at this point. Who are you? Yeah. Come on, guys. But I, again, I look at I look at the business, the company of Apple, and I go, you've got more money than God. You could create the best content you want. And they're, they're kind of starting to do that. I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be a lot of competition for content creation. That's that is for sure. Uh, all right. Special thanks to Kayla Anderson for joining us. Lots of silly, funny news stories in, in, the, in the media sports media world this week. Um, some of them more serious than others, I guess I should say. And uh, Steve, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scavendish. Braden, where can people find you? At Braden Gall on Twitter, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we do appreciate everybody listening to the show. Again, walk directly up to a stranger and tell them about Lamestream Sports Podcast. See what their reaction is. In fact, record it and tweet it to us if you'd like, because that would be entertaining content, in my opinion, possibly. Also, go to Jasper's, get some food. Take a picture of it, tweet it to us, tweet it to Jaspers, tell people you're going to Jaspers and that you love Jaspers because that's sort of our job here is to uh, get you to go to Jaspers and eat their food because it's great and the parking is free as well. It is. <laughs> yes. The next evolution of the sports bar. <laughs> there you go. Can't end the show without that. Uh, for Steve Cavendish, special thanks to Kayla Anderson. My name is Braden Golf. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Lane Stream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.